Winning Retirement Radio. What is the saying? The dinner table, you don't talk religion, politics, and sex. That's right. But uh, I guess on a podcast, all bets are off. So let's go. (laughs) Jokes aside, the two of you know that, like you, I enjoy civilly talking about politics. But I wanted to have a bigger conversation. Should we ask, because I know where you two stand, and if you've listened to the show more than once, you kind of know where we're all at. But do you guys think we should ask where our advisor stands politically, especially with everything going on right now? I mean, does it matter if we're on the same page or not? Well, here's the thing. If it matters to you, it matters. And it's interesting you ask this, Kristen, because um, when we were interviewing for our ministry assistant position um, here recently, and we hired a wonderful person, Jennifer, Mm -hmm. Every interviewee I asked the same question to, I asked how they would handle a call mm. that was political in nature by a potential client or a client that just called in to ask a question. Because we live in such a world where people can't detach from their own mm-hmm. beliefs and look for the reason in a conversation. That's why it's so hard for everyone mm-hmm. to do that. Whereas speaking for myself, I can do a pretty good job of having a conversation that's intelligent and productive with someone without it mattering. Without it affecting you emotionally. We've had a few. Yes. Yes, we've had a few. We don't agree on everything. Um, But some people can't. And so I think it's up to the individual as Hmm. to how much this matters when you're working with your advisor. Because if you can focus on reason and results, Hmm. and you can detach the emotion from it, then I think it doesn't matter. But if you know you're emotional about these conversations (laughs) and it's going to bother you to work with someone without the same beliefs, then why set yourself up for failure? If they're doing a good job. Yeah, I think that's kind of an inward question you have to really look in the mirror mirror and ask yourself. One of my favorite clients we have has complete, and I shouldn't say favorite because I love I was going to say, you said that a time or two, I'm like, oh. But you know who I'm talking about. She's down in Florida. Oh, yes. We hung out with her personally. You know, we when we were down at Disney, we met up with her. I've even stayed at her house. I went down and Aww. did some paperwork with her, stayed with her. We went to Disney together. We went shopping together. We can have a good time, and we can have good, productive, genuine conversations. We have opposite political beliefs. I mm. mean, like, they don't get any more opposite. So someone who probably hasn't heard our radio show or podcast. Correct. Gotcha. As a matter of fact, she found us from TV. Hmm. where we're maybe a little more neutral yes. on TV with our conversations. So she had no idea what our beliefs were when she became a client. But as we had multiple conversations, it was during an election year when she became a client, we figured it out. It was no big deal, though, because we could still find reason and productivity within our relationship. And so it didn't matter that our beliefs were different. Hmm. When you think about it, can you really be close to somebody who doesn't believe like you? And, and Kristen can, and, and I can too. Sometimes I think it depends on how strong and how far the gap is, and, mm, and you mm-hmm. know, within the differences. We've met with some folks that, you know, once they learned our beliefs, they didn't feel comfortable. Hmm. They wanted someone that was, you know, that more aligned. That, yeah, more mm-hmm. aligned with more of a, a left leaning advisor. Are you sure and, it wasn't you know, your we've joke, had people Greg? Come in. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. We've had people come in and ask, you know, do you guys support ESG? Mm-hmm. And this has become a real hot topic because now that's when politics goes into your pocketbook. 
Tell everybody that's what over. ESG is, because I kind of forgot as well. Well, you know, that's the environment, and it's social, oh, and it's yes. governance. That's right. Big topic. And so if you don't believe in what, what climate folks are talking about with the environment, or you don't agree with a lot of the social agendas that, that are being pushed in Washington, or you don't agree with the governance portion. In other words, you don't want the government having control mm -hmm. over how you're invested, because that's essentially what ESG is. And it's more than that, but, you know, they call it socially responsible. Well, their idea is socially responsible may be different than different. your yeah. idea. We don't have time to go down this road, but how is that carrying a fiduciary responsibility if you're only focused on ESG? Exactly. Ah, I so see. So that's, that's my issue with it, and that goes down to the results and productivity part of what I was talking about earlier. And, Kristen, that could be said in any regard. How can you fulfill your fiduciary responsibility if you always only put people in stocks and bonds or you always only put people in insurance products or you always only put people in banking products because if you only do one thing then how can you do what's best for everybody you have to be clear that you only do that one thing so they have the option to go seek other exactly advice. i'll never forget a lot of our listeners may not have heard you know me talk about how I got started, but you know, back in 1993, can you believe it's, this is now in March will be 31 years. I wrote something the other day and I put 30 years. I was like, is he over 30 yet? You are yeah, over, over 30 th almost 30. It'll wow. be 31 years in March. And so when I first started, I worked for a captive agency, which meant that I could only offer their products. Mm -hmm. And in one area, they were very, very competitive. In fact, they were the most competitive in one area. And so I was passionate about that. I loved it. I could talk to people about it and I believed in it. So therefore I went out and through God's blessings, I you know, became one of their top people. Mm -hmm. But I'll never forget the day that I was sitting in someone's home because you know back then I'd traveled around the state and went to people's homes. And I sat in someone's home and I realized that if they purchased from me, they would be paying too much. And that was the day I knew I had to become an independent advisor. Well, wait a second. Okay. You're sitting there. You figure that out. You're looking at it. What was your reaction? Do you just well, leave? Well, this and... was hard because, you know, I'm trying to feed my family. It's new for you. And that too. Exactly. But I had to tell them, look, as I'm comparing, I think you're going to be better off to go to this other company. Hmm. That really sealed the deal for me. And, and so I have a problem with anyone that, that leans so hard in one direction. Mm-hmm that they can't see past their own benefit. And I feel like that's the area in which we have to be most concerned. Is the person I'm working with able to give me impartial advice? As you know, one step in that process, we believe, is making sure that the team is led by a fiduciary, like it is at LegacyRetirementGroup.com. Well, I've got some good news to share. The probability of a recession is down according to the Wall Street Journal in a survey of economists that they put together. They also found in this survey that for a lot of people, it's still going to feel like a recession, though. Wait a second. I should have read this whole thing before we talked about it on the radio, because <laughs> this group of economists are expecting American employers to keep adding jobs this year, but at a much slower pace. So I guess it's not great news when you dig in past the headlines. 
There's so many things that unpack when you start talking about that. And this is where I really geek out because think about it, even as an employer ourselves, legacy retirement group, you know, you can only get so much productivity out of a staff member. I know Greg's been pushing me really hard lately. <laughs> there's only so many hours in a day, <laughs> True. right? There's, yeah. there's a capacity limit. And so if your employer's not increasing wages by at least the three and a half percent for to cover inflation, then you're really not making any more money, but yet they're adding jobs. So it's kind of like a fallacy, like like it looks like the economy's good, but it's really not because people are still struggling to pay things. And there's just this ongoing reciprocating effect that happens that makes the feeling for everyday Americans feel like that the economy's not getting any better. And yes, the probability went from 48% down to 39%, but whoop-de-doo, that's still about a half, right? I'm working on math with my son, Jaden, and... When you're looking at estimating, you're like, that's nowhere near. But but really, it is kind of close to half, mm-hmm. right? Half, it is. Half, half possibility. As they say down south, per near. Per near. <laughs> I'm from Southern. I don't even know what that is, but okay. <laughs> Greg just made that up. I love it. No, actually, when I lived down south, Kristen, when I lived in Charleston. Okay, my hometown, th- yeah. There were folks in my church that would say per near. And that means? <laughs> I don't that know. means almost. I learned something new. It's probably a word that didn't come out clearly. Let's think that. <laughs> that's Maybe very much something. <laughs> we have the tendency to sometimes talk slow and fast all at once, Maybe and like really probably. like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. You know what's interesting? To me, it's kind of like I'm not going to slap you in the face, but you're still going to feel it. Hmm. Might as well slap me in the face. You might as well I be mean, slapping honestly. me in the face. I mean, what's the difference if it's not a recession, but it's going to feel like one? Is there really a difference? Because what really matters, at least to the people that we see here regularly, is how does this affect our personal economy? And, you know, I wonder what the surveyors are saying. You know, what will the stock market do in 2024? It's not going to be a crash, but it's going to feel like one. Well, gosh, I mean, that's not too encouraging. Those things just don't really help. They really don't. What will the stock market do this year? I don't know exactly. What will the economy do? Sorry, I don't know that exactly either. How will this impact my personal economy? How will, how will it affect my IRA? How will it affect my 401k? How will it affect my investments? How will it affect my ability to remain retired? And then, you know, we've had a lot of people come in and just ask, is there a way to plan so that we can have more confidence. And and that is the number one question. And, and the answer to that is yes, because we can't control. There's no advisor in town that has the silver magic bullet. Nobody has the perfect portfolio that does not exist. The moment you think it exists, then everything changes and it's no longer relevant. So things are constantly evolving. Things are constantly changing. But there's some things that we can do to give ourselves more probability for success. Mm -hmm. Because when you think about the risks that you face, okay, we risk market volatility. We can risk inflation. We can risk sequence of returns on our income needs. And, And there's all these things that can affect our ability to be retired and stay retired and be successful and have peace of mind. But what can you and I do to give ourselves confidence, because ultimately that's the bottom line. Can we do something different to help us be more confident? And one of the ways is to diversify, but the definition of diversification can be different. 
you know, one person's definition of something can be totally different than someone else's. And the idea of what we're trying to achieve is really what's most important here. You know, we asked Cameron the other night to fold a basket of laundry. That's painful as a kid. I remember those oh, activities. I mean, it is, but, even as an you know, adult, been I'm playing like, this <laughs> game for hours. And <laughs> Kristen was doing all sorts of stuff, and and I was busy, and and so I, I called down to the basement. I said, "Hey, bud, come up and and fold this basket of laundry." So he did. He came and folded all the towels, and he folded a few other things, and then uh, went back downstairs. And I came around uh, and saw the basket, but then at the bottom of the basket was a pile of socks that were mismatched. Some were wrong side out, things like that. You know what happens in the laundry. And so I called back down the basement. I said, Cameron, I thought I told you to fold the clothes in this Mm -hmm. basket. He said, I did. I said, well, what's this pile of socks that are still in the bottom of the basket? And he's like, oh, you want me to fold those too? Mm. Yeah, they're in the basket. Yeah, in the basket. I mean, hello. (laughs) So he came back up. He did it with such a wonderful attitude as as teenagers are prone to do. No, he did and and finished it up. But in his mind, when the towels and all the big things were gone, then the job was done. So there was a misunderstanding there. So what can we do to diversify? Well, you go to one place and they'll say, we're going to diversify your portfolio because we're going to put you in some large cap stocks and some mid cap stocks and some some small cap stocks, and we're going to put you in some bonds, and we're going to put you in a few things over here. Maybe you should have a little bit of gold or something over there. And and so everything diversified within the stock market. And I'll never forget, I met with a man back in early 2009, and he said, I was advised to diversify. He said, but that diversification just spread the pain around in a whole lot of different places. Mm. You see, that wasn't really diversification of risks. It wasn't what he was actually looking for when, it, when he was talking about diversification. He thought it would help minimize the risk that he had, but it was all in the market. And somebody else will say, well, you know, the way you diversify is to put it in a whole bunch of different insurance products. But again, insurance products carry their own different sets of risks and those are all still within the same category or if you put it all at the bank you have the same type of risk and so what we're trying to really accomplish is true diversification that's why we call it the three bucket approach we want you to have some money that's liquid and safe at the bank we want you to have some money that has the most growth potential and is pretty much liquid but yet has stock market risk in your growth bucket And yet we want you to have some money that's protected for income, but has more limited liquidity. Hmm. So that's the string attached there. But when you diversify amongst the different types of accounts, there are the different types of risk. Now that gives you a more predictable outcome. Hmm. You know, it's fun when we get to sit down with people here in the office, Kristen, and, and we're able to show them how they can be more predictable with their outcome and, you know, what we've seen, at least, is that helps provide that peace of mind people are looking for. Key, when you're near or in retirement, such a pivotal time in life. In fact, Aaron Zittner, he's a reporter with The Wall Street Journal, and he worked on a pretty interesting piece for the election called Voters See American Dream Slipping Out of Reach. And his polling results 
I thought this would be interesting for us to discuss because when he asked people about their short-term outlook, many said with inflation, people feel they can work harder, but they're going to stay where they are because of high prices. And concerning long-term structural changes to their financial life, they mentioned their parents very often had pensions and that now is very different. All the risk of retirement has shifted to us, the employees. Mm-hmm. There's not much pressure on companies anymore. And I'm sure that's changed the way many view the American dream. You know, it's interesting. One definition of the American dream is the ideal that anyone in our country who works hard can get ahead and improve themselves financially mm-hmm. and economically. You know, for for young people, it might be, okay, I want to get married, buy a house, have 2.1 children, a dog, and a hamster, right? <laughs> Yeah, hamster. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that caught me for a loop or threw me for a loop. What's the saying? I don't know. Well, you know, when you're young, you have this idea you need multiple pets. So I threw in the hamster. I don't know but... where you're getting that from. I only have one. And even when I was young, I had Carry one. on to your point. Land yeah. your plane. But for people 60 and older, at least the people that come in and visit with us, the American dream is to be able to retire on your own terms. Mm-hmm. Well, in the survey, I noticed, Greg, that, you know, it found that 36% of Americans still believe that the dream is available. And I think a lot of that has to do with that conversation about inflation and and where we're at financially, Mm -hmm. why so many people don't think it's attainable. Right. But, you know, if we're really just wanting to be able to live comfortably, you know, to follow Mm -hmm. our dreams and to have peace of mind, I think that's part of the American dream at any age, really. But uh, some of the challenges to that dream here lately have been inflation, stock market volatility risk, health care, the possibility, you know, once you're getting to retirement age, the possibility of outliving your retirement savings. Those are all things that are challenges as we start to think about transitioning to the American dream. And so our mission is to provide peace of mind through every step of your retirement journey. So that means when you're looking at your investments, you want to feel like, okay, I'm not going to outlive these investments, that you're going to have income that's going to allow you to pay your bills and do the things you want to do in retirement, that that taxes aren't going to derail you or, or things such as that. And, you know, every family has their own story, their own journey. Mm-hmm. Someone that we've been working with since 2009. So this couple came in back in 2009 and they were worried because, you know, the market started dropping in 2008 and then they got a little frightened by it. So they pulled everything out of the market and didn't take, you know, the big hit that everyone else did, but they said, you know what, this just doesn't feel right for us Hmm. any longer. What can we do? And so we looked at all the tools available and, and what they chose was something, you know, in today's world, especially if you listen to a lot of the Wall Street people, you know, they'll try to scare you out of it, was something called a fixed indexed annuity. Mm-hmm. That's what this couple chose. And over all these years, they were able to take their required minimum distributions, you know. So what has that been? Almost 15 years now. Hmm. It's been a while. Yeah. And they took the RMDs and things like that. And this past week, the husband came in. And, you know, his wife passed away recently. They were married for almost 60 years. And he was sitting in Jessica's office and he's telling a story about 
the last six months of his wife's life. And this poor man, I mean, he's he's fighting back the tears, but he wants to tell the story. Yeah. And he's telling Jessica how he would care for her, how he would sit. She had to have a bed in the living room, and at night he would sit by her bed, and he would hold her hand, and he would sing to her, and he would have friends from church come over, and they would comfort her. And he's telling this story, and he's fighting back and choking back the tears, and Jessica's just bawling at her desk. And mm-hmm. and I'm stand, standing there with big old tears um, coming down my face as he's telling his story. But then he, he talks to Jessica and says, you know, I'm so thankful that we came here because you and your team have showed us nothing but love. But beyond that, he said, you know, we put $250,000 approximately here. My wife took all our RMDs and he says, now I'm getting back over $150,000 more than that. He said, what that's done for us is over these years that has helped provide the peace of mind we needed in retirement. So it's not whether or not you call it a mutual fund or a stock or a bond or an annuity or anything like that. You see, it's not the tool that you use. It's that the tool is designed to meet the needs that you have and the desires that you have for your personal American dream when it comes to your retirement journey. Gosh, married over 60 years. That's bigger than the American dream. And certainly thinking of that gentleman. Connect anytime at LegacyRetirementGroup.com. Greg Taylor is an investment advisory representative of Legacy Advisory Network, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the state of Ohio. The firm only conducts business in states where it's properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Legacy Advisory Network, LLC, and this station are not affiliated. The investment ideas and financial vehicles discussed here should not be considered to be personalized investment advice, nor are these recommendations to buy or sell any particular investment or product. The information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should first consult with the competent tax, legal, accounting, and other professionals regarding the applicability and the suitability of any investment ideas. Past performance is not guaranteed of future results. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company.